Grace and Advent peace to you from God our Father and the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Today, the sermon text for this fourth Sunday in Advent is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 39 through 55. Now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit has rejoiced in God my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. So far of God's holy word. In the name of Christ Jesus, who comes to us again once more this Advent season, Dear fellow redeemed, I'd like you all to bear with me for a moment and close your eyes and picture to yourself the manger scene of the first Christmas. You're walking up to a cattle stall, peering inside by the light of a single oil candle. You can see bending over a manger of hay Mary and Joseph and the babe wrapped there in swaddling cloths. And as you're looking, shepherds approach and kneel down and relate their amazing experience of the angel's announcement of whom they were to find and where. What does it look like? Open your eyes. What's the image that you have of what Mary and Joseph looked like? What's the image that you have of what the baby Jesus looked like? And where did those images come from? For many of us, present company included, images of the familiar Bible stories come from largely Sunday school illustrations. There's this old blue book back when I was a youth called Bible History. And the full-page plates had images of all the Bible stories. And when I hear one of those Bible stories, very often in my own mind's eye, I see it depicted as that artist imagined it. 
One other powerful influence on biblical imagery in my life was pretty amazing technology at the time. When I was in kindergarten, first grade, and so forth, <clears throat> sometimes the Sunday school teacher would have one of those film strip projectors. Almost seems a little trite now with all the technology that we have, but it was amazing to me that you could take a little strip of film with a colored plate on it, put it in the projector and turn it on, and the lamp would send the image through the lens up onto the screen, and to me it was larger than life and etched indelibly on my heart and mind a picture of what the Bible scene may have looked like. The projector takes something small and sends it up for many people to see writ large. You know, that's what Mary's song was like. It's called the Magnificat because she starts out speaking of how her soul magnifies the Lord. Her words, recorded, inspired by the Holy Spirit, recorded for us to read, are like a projector showing us the greatness of God's power and especially the greatness of his mercy in the birth of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, of course, <clears throat> a humble human being, even someone like the Virgin Mary, can't make God greater and more powerful than he already is. But someone like the Virgin Mary, with the words that she proclaimed that day, can show the greatness of God, the greatness of his mercy, to a great many people, like it has to us. Let's take in that view today, shall we, as the Holy Spirit moves us through his word from the heart to say, Oh, magnify the Lord with me. Make him large in the hearts of those around us, for God's personal grace to you, for God's grace to the lowly in heart, and for God's grace to the children of Abraham. Of course, the story preceding this one in Luke's gospel is the story of what was to start out an ordinary day, one of hundreds for a young woman named Mary in the small town of Nazareth, one of thousands for the residents of that town going back many, many years. Very ordinary until it wasn't anymore, until Mary in the confines of her humble home was presented with the angel Gabriel who announced to her that she would be the mother of the coming savior, that the Holy Spirit would come upon her, that she would conceive in her womb and though she pointed out the impossibility of this, she had never been with a man, the angel told her it would be a miracle of God's Holy Spirit. And right away, Mary went south. She traveled down to a relative of hers, to Elizabeth, who was having her own miracle pregnancy, for she was far past childbearing age. But she was expecting John the Baptist. And it's a dramatic story how Mary crosses the threshold of Elizabeth's home and Elizabeth bursts forth uttering words given to her by the Holy Spirit, announcing that Mary is blessed, that the fruit of her womb, the child whom she was carrying was blessed, and wondering how she could be so privileged to have the mother of her Lord visit her. And in fact, the other greeting happened inside of Elizabeth where the as yet unborn John the Baptist gave a great jump 
not because that's what babies do, but because the Holy Spirit was in him. John gave a great leap for joy at the presence of the Savior. And then it was Mary who burst forth in praising song, magnifying the Lord. She spoke first of how the Lord had blessed her, Mary. Luke 1, 46 and 47. Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior, for he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. <clears throat> she is astounded, astounded that God's grace would come to her individually because she was one nondescript young Jewish woman among many hundreds. Among thousands and thousands going back all the centuries where the Jewish people with plaintive hearts had cried out, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and ransom captive Israel. And it could have been God's choice for any young woman all those long centuries to be the mother of the Savior. Mary's very impressed that God singled her out for this privilege. Henceforth, all generations will call me blessed, she said. And millions have called her blessed because she was one among many, many millions who was chosen to bear the Son of God. Out of all the women who had ever left, lived or have lived since, she would be closest to him, carrying him under her heart until she gave birth to him, raising him as her own. She was present at the cross at his suffering and death. And here at the home of Elizabeth, she can't help but magnify God's grace to her as each one of us should magnify God's grace because he selected us individually to belong to the Lord Jesus. He selected you, knowing who you are and everything about you. He sent his Holy Spirit to bring you to faith in this Savior. Say, if you want to visit the place where people say that Jesus was actually born, you'd have to travel to Jerusalem. You'd have to go to the Church of the Nativity, and they'll direct you to an underground grotto where you can stoop down and go, and here's the spot marked on the floor where they say is the place that Jesus was born. We don't know if that's so. But it is interesting to me that if you'd like to see it, you have to stoop down one at a time and enter that place because it certainly does provide an illustration for how, yes, Jesus was sent to be the savior of all. We all believe in him. But first, it's an individual thing. You have to come to the manger yourself and know that this happened for me. Christ for mankind, for all the church, that's wonderful. But the personal faith that cherishes what he's done personally is one for you. It was for you, personally, that Jesus was willing to take on human flesh and be born in that manger. It was for you, personally, that he grew up without a single spot of sin, no stain at all, keeping God's commandments personally. He had you in mind when he was willing to be subjected 
to confusion, false charges, terrible, painful punishment, suffering and death on the cross. It was for you that he gave up his spirit and died. And it was for you, each one, that Jesus rose from the dead triumphant to pave the way to take you personally to be at his side in heaven forever. The angels announced to the shepherds at the birth of Christ, unto you is born this day in the city of David, and that's the message that God would have us take home today. Mary said, he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And if we are to magnify God, it will start there, what God has done for me. But Mary shifts the focus and magnifies another aspect of God's grace, namely God's grace to the humble, beginning in verse 51. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. It magnifies the great power of God. It doesn't matter how powerful earthly kingdoms or rulers might be. God is far above in the heavens, and he exercises his power with a special twist because he does it in a way that goes exactly the opposite the way things work in the world. His magnificent twist is not the world's philosophy that the people who have get more. He takes the proud and casts them down. He takes the lowly and raises them up. In a very literal sense, those who have the wealth and power of this world without faith in God will lose it. Those who have very little but know the true Lord will be raised up. But also in a spiritual sense. All the religions of the world other than Christianity say you have to contribute your part you have to do at least some of the work, sometimes all of the work, to gain God's favor. In God's magnificent, wonderful twist, he says, it does not have to do with you. You are declared to be righteous by trusting in another, not by your own works. God sent his son not to help those who help themselves. He sent them to help the powerless. As Paul writes in Romans 5, when we were still without strength, Christ died for the ungodly. And Jesus himself said in Matthew 9, I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Did you notice how Mary took this to heart as well? My soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. If this humble virgin, the mother of the Savior, needed a Savior, how much more do you? How many times have you fallen short of God's perfect, holy, righteous commands? Time and again, every day, times without number. You need a Savior. You are lowly in heart. You are among those whom Jesus described this way in Matthew 5. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Echoing Mary's magnifying of God in our text. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. This is a good kind of hunger. 
Not the hunger of the body that's gone without food for days on end, but the hunger of the soul, knowing our powerlessness, knowing the sins that would rise up against us, knowing that without a solution in the Savior, we would starve to death spiritually and be lost forever. But God fills the hungry with good things. He raises up the lowly. He's raised up you. And now we rejoice at God's invitation to feast this Christmas, the nine-course banquet of a Savior who kept the commandments for us, a Savior who died to pay the penalty for the commandments we've broken. So come, come and bring your appetite. Yes, on that day in the hill country at the home of Elizabeth and Zacharias, Mary projected she magnified the Lord for us to see. She magnified his grace to her personally. She magnified his grace to the lowly and humble in heart. And in this last part, she magnifies God's grace to Israel, the children of Abraham. Verse 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. The faithful among the people of Israel for centuries had looked forward to the coming of the Messiah. The angel Gabriel announced that Mary would be the mother of the Messiah and all these promises were coming to their fulfillment and it would help the entire nation, the children of Abraham, the nation of Israel a nation that had rejected Jesus and God's promises about Jesus. But there were always some, a remnant, who looked forward to the fulfillment of that promise. Are you feeling this magnification this morning? Perhaps it's a little more of a reach. Anyone here happen to have the blood of Abraham flowing in their veins? Are you Abraham's seed? Has God helped you as he promised by helping the nation of Israel? It may not be obvious, but it's plain to the little vacation Bible school children when we have a particular song. I love playing those guitar songs for the VBS children. Uh, Jesus loves me, this I know, and so forth. One of them, <clears throat> it's a motion song because the kids have to move, but it's telling. Do you know the song Father Abraham? Father Abraham had many sons. Many sons had Father Abraham. I am one of them, and so are you, so let's all praise the Lord. And they wave their arms and legs and turn around and sit down for the fun of it. But it's a biblical truth. Abraham was promised by God he'd be the father of many nations. God told Abraham, in you and in your seed, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. And the wonderful truth that Mary projects here is that when God comes to help his people Israel, he's coming to help not primarily those who genetically are related to the man Abraham, not the Jewish people as an earthly nation. He's coming for those who have the faith of Abraham. Abraham who looked forward to the coming of the Messiah, Abraham who pinned all his hopes and dreams for a heavenly promised land on God fulfilling that promise. And the Bible plainly says that all who have the trust that Abraham had well, they're his children, his seed. In Romans 9, we read, 
They are not all Israel who are of Israel, nor are they all children because they are the seed of Abraham. And Paul writes further in Galatians 3, if you are Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You and I, children of Abraham, by the same faith Abraham had, children of God, and that means heirs. That means no matter how burdened our lives might be right now, no matter how, how badly our consciences may weigh upon us from time to time, God has in mind the full inheritance of forgiveness and life and peace in his Son. From the first promise of the Savior in Eden to the last made to all of Israel, it's our heritage, it's our inheritance, it's our great joy. We've been presented with a number of images courtesy of the Virgin Mary this morning. Have you pictured them in your mind's eye as they came along? For me, I see the Sunday School illustrations. I see those film strips projected on the screen when I was five, six, seven years old. From tiny cells given a strong light, writ large for all to see and marvel over. Mary, astounded by God's grace, was in her own way a projector. She magnified the Lord for others. She projected the image of his grace to each individual, especially to the lowly in heart and to those children of Abraham who share his faith in the promised Savior. How's your projection going lately? Does God's word and promise show forth clearly in your life? Do you take that spark of faith that God's put in your heart and is it made large for others to see? If it's not as large and not as clear as it ought to be, perhaps you need to dust off the lens. Perhaps you need to turn on the lamp. More could be shining through, couldn't it? Let's hear God's word. Let's study God's word. Let's put our trust through the power of the Holy Spirit and that Savior that was promised. Let's follow Mary's example by pondering these things in our hearts. And may God grant that this grace is made large, that it's magnified in our lives, in our words, for all others to see. In Jesus' name, amen. And may the peace of God, which passes under all our understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.